Hey, uh, and welcome back to another episode of Theater, theater Thoughts. Thoughts. I'm Ty Etherton. And I'm Kira Sweeney. And we're two former theater kids now turned forever theater adults. Whether we like it or not. It's not terminal, but it is a condition. We live with every day. And we're here talking about all things theater, education, and the performing arts. So let's get into some Theater, theater Thoughts. Thoughts. Um, you're getting over a sickness, but you yes. sound great. Thank you. you. Thank you. PSA, don't get the flu. She's nasty this yeah. year. If you could not get the flu, that would yeah. be really so awesome. So get your get your vaccines, drink your fluids, take care of yourself. Right. But I'm back and I'm I'm ready to ever. to do this thing. Um, we have a fantastic episode today. I yeah, I'm very excited. Um, uh, <laughs> we are really excited to introduce um our first inaugural official official guest to the pod that we are going to talk with about all things theater and theater thoughts um so this person is without a doubt um first off is an amazing um music director that we have seen throughout the few years that we've gotten to work with yeah, him. Yeah, he's really good at tickling them keys. Absolutely, a piano, a pianist extraordinaire. <laughs> um, and also our work husband. Yeah, and you know, like does astrophysics and other cool stuff like right. that, I guess. We'll get but to that. It's, um, it's fine, yeah. it's whatever. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, and those that have yet to make up their mind. Welcome the biggest theater thought we know. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, <laughs> Colin Sinclair, <laughs> Colin. Hey. How are you? Oh my goodness. I'm doing fabulous. Are you so excited to deal with that I every single day? I love this space background. Like I said, oh. I feel like we should have like a stage or something. But <laughs> we, just we, we don't know how to use clock from the thrift store behind <laughs> us. We don't know how to use cool things like that. <laughs> This is what I use so that I have a very boring room behind me. It's like these like cream colored walls and that's yeah. it. So this is much better than my boring room. It's still beautiful. Um, Thank you for being our first guest on the pod. Well, thanks for having time. me in yeah. that very nice introduction. I'm excited to be here. You know what? We do what we can. Um, Okay. First question, Colin. Uh, when did you know that you were a theater thought? Ooh, really? Well, I yeah. This is not rehearsed, listeners. This I'm I'm on the spot right yeah, now. Yeah, we're throwing him <laughs> on the spot the entire time. Let's see. So the the thing that really got I was actually talking about this with someone else tonight. Um, that really got me into theater, and you're gonna roll your eyes a bit. Well, I don't know if you will. You might. Other people might. Is I the first time I ever played? Do you hear the people sing on the piano? I love in that. the choir room uh, at my middle school before the first bell, and we had you know we would all just like kind of hang out. It was just our little friend group, and we would hang out. This was kind of before I was a theater thought. Um, I liked to play the piano, and I had some close friends that were kind of musicians, choir kids who also happened to do theater. Well, I started playing Do You Hear the People Sing because I had the book with me or maybe it was in the room and I, it was easy to read. So I started playing it and everyone started singing it. And I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had sitting at the piano playing and people are singing in this. I, this is my favorite thing in the whole world. So I would say like seventh grade, or that was like maybe the beginning, end of seventh grade or beginning of eighth grade. And then the first show I played Legally Blonde was in my freshman year of high school. And that really locked it in. I was like, this is, I, there's nothing more fun than this. 
I mean, both of those are religious experiences, yeah, in my opinion. Either like, honestly, do you hear yeah. people saying like spiritual awakening? Same with Legally Blonde. Like, that is that and is the so Bible. For Legally Blonde, <laughs> were you just like piano or did you music direct or what was that? What was that? How did you go about getting that role? College, first time doing a musical. Please music direct and conduct the show. No, I, uh, I, asked okay so my high school when i was a freshman had a jazz band which was a course nice. that was an elective you could take right. um and it was an audition uh uh elective so i had to do a little audition but i was like actually there were two pianists that year but both of us got in and so we were playing jazz band and that group tends to be the group that plays the musicals at the uh, high school just oh, cool. because they're the group that it's that style of music you know the more contemporary music right and so anywho it, it you know around december we do spring musicals or did at thunder Ridge. and so around december or so everyone's kind of talking about legally blonde getting excited and i remember asking our band director if i was like hey like is there a chance I could play in the musical? Because that sounds like a lot of fun. And he was like, oh, absolutely. That's great. Because there's four keyboards in Legally Blonde. Of course there is. Uh, and so uh, I got to play. And it was kind of funny. At first, he gave me the keyboard two part, um, which I don't know how familiar people, you know, listeners are with, with how orchestrations for modern musicals work. But oftentimes, the keyboard one book is also for, meant for the conductor. So there's less music oh. to play in it. But that's the only scenario where that's the case. And like all classical music, the first keyboard, the first violin, whatever, the, the first book or first part is the hardest. It's the principal, oh, most important part. And so I think that in giving me the keyboard two book, it was supposed to be like, hey, you're, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to give you something that's slightly easier than keyboard one. But it turns out that's actually the hardest keyboard book in the world <laughs> because it has all the stuff that the keyboard one book doesn't have. And I because I that's the of, conductor. Right. And so they have to, you know, be paying attention to the singers and conducting certain things and not paying, you know, buried in the ink. And uh, I remember, you know, over winter break, I was practicing and I, we came back for the spring semester and I was like, I, I can't do this. This is exceedingly <laughs> difficult and I'm not going to be able to do it. So we switched it out and I started playing in the keyboard one book, but then it was way easier and we had a great time. Would you, have you played the keyboard two books since that day? Not in a performance, but I have like turned on the cast album and played with it. And to this day, it's still much harder. Of like, course. It's, yeah. It's hard yeah. Well, we're doing Legally Blonde next week and you have to play the keyboard too. <laughs> no? Um, that's amazing. Okay. And then when have when did you start like gaining more responsibility and moving up to you know, what we know you as and being a music director. Sure. So let's think. Um, well, it so happens that the person who was in charge of music directing the shows at Thunder Ridge um, didn't, that was not his first priority. Right. Uh, it, you know, he was also a teacher at the school and has a family and was doing some other things. And so I think that music directing the shows at Thunder Ridge was after like a long list of other more important priorities. Um, and so what that kind of boiled down to was I loved doing it, right? This was like my favorite thing. And I was right. like La La Land for four years. And so I kind of was helping singers with their parts in like warming people up and getting stuff ready right. in Legally Blonde because a lot of my friends were in the show like as actors. And so um, that was kind of where it started, I suppose, but that wasn't really responsibility as it more was just working with singers. 
And then that kind of turned into, it kind of went two paths. One of them was I started playing community level shows outside of school and these were professional gigs, but that was just piano. There was no direction involved. I was just being paid as a musician to play the shows. Um, And then let's see. So for my, my junior year, we did the Drowsy Chaperone. And uh, actually for that show, this is how I met Mitch Samu. Uh, he was the Name music drop, director baby. of the show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the former MD of uh, Front Range. And so, anywho, him and I started talking, and I told him that I was interested in doing what he does. And he uh, basically was just like, okay, then do it, and just threw a couple of opportunities at me. Um, one of which being when he left and moved to the Northeast, uh, he kind of uh, more or less gave his, his role at Front Range to me and said, you're going to be the new MD. Um, but in the meantime, my senior project at Thunder Ridge was to music direct and conduct our senior musical, Once Upon a Mattress. Um, and Word. then I was also, uh, let's, I, think that, I think that's everything. I don't think that there's other stuff mixed in there. Um, and then that summer, what did I do that summer of 2018? Because my first year with Front Range was 2019. Yeah. 2019. So I think I just played some more shows that summer. And then 2019, we did Heather's Aladdin and Shrek. And that was my first, like... Yeah, And you were really thrown into it. That's three shows, one right after another. (laughs) I Um, can't tell you how scared I was. I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I can't tell you how scared I was. I I was like, how the heck am I going to survive this? (laughs) So you were 17, 18 years old, music directing your own show and not only doing that but music directing peers of the same age i mean if you think about it we kind of did the same thing too in our own that's true areas of expertise but when you add music i'm like ah i don't know (laughs) right well you but i can say the same thing about acting or dance like i don't know the first thing about either of those and so you know it goes both ways yeah but it's like i mean it's like it's kind of badass. Like you don't, Absolutely. you literally like years of experience. Yes. But also like, if you're really good at what you do and you have the passion and the drive to do it, no matter how old you are, you're going to do it and you're going to do it well. Like in that, I think that's just like a testament to kind of how we've all built right. ourselves. Right. And so, have you, and you've considered yourself like, I mean, you're obviously, a you are our company front range, our, music director and do you have you seen yourself grow in that strength of being a music director throughout these years you know from 2017 2018 when you were doing it at the high school level to now 2022 I mean we had two years of you know the pandemic that kind of ruined some of it but do you see yourself growing naturally are you are you actively trying to do certain things like what is your necessarily like process in maintaining this role as a music director if that makes sense yeah absolutely um it's certainly i think that working with you two at front range as kind of like a company and a family is super helpful because on top of both doing something that i don't want to say was completely new but was largely new to me music directing heathers which was the first show that summer I also didn't know any of you. And so it was kind of meeting or any of the students. And so it was meeting all new people and also trying to do something that was, I was kind of new to and was a lot of responsibility. 
And now I know all of you and I know most of the students now, except for people that are new. Right. And yeah. So that's like that, you know, I think that that alone makes me better at the job in the sense that, I, you know, when you're super nervous, like they're kind of, you know, you always hear how you should be nervous before a performance, right? Like that's right. a good yeah. thing. It indicates that you care about it and that's a good thing. But there's kind of a difference between that and like being afraid and not knowing, yes. like not being Absolutely. confident, knowing what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, and being timid. Um, that timidity is gone. Timidness, whatever the noun is. I yeah. like timidity. Thank you. <laughs> like humidity. Yeah, but timid. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's gone, which, you know, is makes it better. And then I think that, you know, after these, I've done what, five shows with Front Range now, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I did two more shows last summer with PPA, their yeah. summer mm-hmm. show. Um, and so with each of these, I learn more and more what's helpful. Like I've learned, for example, that the, the singular most helpful thing is to isolate a group. When, uh, for example, like in, in teaching harmonies for parts, right? Because people show up knowing the songs. That's, that's yes. not the hard part. But when I'm teaching like the harmonies, right, for the chorus, um, the single most helpful thing is to go over and have a group sing through their line over and over and over, and then have each group do that and then start putting them together in different contexts and give them varying amounts of information like going in. Whereas, you know, my first year in Heather's, I really was like, I don't really even know how to approach doing this. Like, I don't know what's going to stick with people. I don't know what resources they need, what resources they're not going to use. Um, And so, yeah, all of these kind of things with each show kind of build on top of each other. Uh, So I guess the the hope is that I'm getting better at it. Uh, I hope other people feel that way too, but it certainly feels like that's the case. Yeah, I mean, we definitely feel that. I think all three of us being so close in age, we understand that all three of us are going to probably exponentially grow every year just because mm-hmm. of sheer knowledge that we're gaining and attaining, you know, at such a young age and not new to this field because we've all been a part of this field for somewhat of 10 years, but we are growing in these leadership positions, you know, at a fast rate, but doing it together really can help us. I don't, I don't know, feel safe. Well, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say, yeah, something about that, like when you were talking about like how, like, I can only imagine what it would be like coming into a space, especially with the two of us, like, like, who are these but crazy Heather's, people? Like, we're, we're a lot. that close during, like, before that. I mean, kind of. I mean, yes, yeah, but. Like, but yeah, no, I definitely think. But also, like, at the same time, like, once you are in that, that space where you feel like you are surrounded and supported by the people that you're with it's so much easier to to feel like you can fail forward or you can um you know try out new things without like fear of judgment and yeah it's just like a super awesome dynamic I think for that personal and communal growth right it's the I mean it's the ultimate idea of community of uh, you know, theater is community, and, and we've definitely done that. Um, and we'll talk more with Colin after this quick, brief intermission. We'll be right back.
welcome back. Hello. We are interviewing the one, the only Colin Sinclair, music director to the stars. <laughs> um, and by the stars, <laughs> I mean five to 20 year olds. <laughs> hey, in our eyes in education, they are the stars, Absolutely. right? Um, that's a great segue into talking about like education. Um, so you touched on this a little bit when we were talking about growing as an educator or as a music director and what you were focused on. Um, but we have a really fun thing where theater is cool because when we go see professional theater, you are working with a professional group. If we, you were a professional music director, I was a professional director and you were a professional choreographer, it would be different. It, our, our purpose and our, our, our goal is much different than where we're at working in education. And we, the reason why we wanted to create this podcast you know, part of it was to talk about our experiences as being educational theater, because it's a lot different. Um, so as a music director in an educational setting, like, what are your focuses, especially in the summer with like a time crunch, because we were literally just talking about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, for it's, yeah, it's tough. Like I said, so a lot of the students show up already knowing like the the core parts of the songs, yes. right? Like for Mamma Mia, everyone's going to show up knowing all the songs already, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. And, they will. and that's kind of an expectation, especially of the leads. Like we don't have time to teach everyone everything from scratch. There's just not time and day yeah. to do that. Um, and so I think beyond that, uh, it, for from an educational standpoint, um, I, I think the big thing that students can't get on their own. And many of these students are in, you know, voice lessons or vocal coaching, et cetera, um, is practice singing in an ensemble setting and singing in parts while also acting and dancing and being on stage doing movement. And so I think the biggest focus for me is trying to get people to work together as one yes. like musical unit. Um, and so that, like, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it's, it's a lot of working on these chorus parts. I spend almost all of the time in rehearsal working with the chorus because the leads don't need the work. They already know how to sing and they already know their songs. And sometimes yeah, if there's duets or trios, you know, we can rehearse those, but generally it's chorus stuff. Yeah. And um, if you are like doing the solo stuff, it's fine tuning. Like it's, it's right. just yes. the little nitpicky yes. things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that that choral experience. I only remember like how how cool, but also like how challenging that can be when you are trying to figure out that group dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that's a really smart place to put your focus. You mentioned you like to work, you know, like group parts. Do you have any like other tricks or things that you've found throughout your time working on stuff that like works really well when Ooh. teaching music? I mean, especially with young kids. I mean, when we talk Mamma Mia, we're talking about high school and college. These are kids that have most likely done one, if not five, <laughs> 10, 20 shows before they know the process. But mm -hmm. when we talk about our younger group, some of these kids, this is their first time in a musical theater setting, especially yeah. in a, you can't call it a pre-professional when there's six-year-olds playing the leads. However, <laughs> it, it, we do offer a, what is that quasi professional format of you do the music and then you block and then you choreograph and then we start running the show and we really try to offer to say. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, what is it like for younger, that younger kids, especially 
but any tips and advice that you have for kids interested in musical theater, especially from a music perspective? I think my primary focus, especially with the younger groups, is to uh, repeat our what they need to know in rehearsal so much that they don't have to think in order to perform. I really am trying to commit everything to this. You know, in in uh, Gabby can my girlfriend, who is a neuroscience grad, can really corroborate this perhaps. But we often talk about two different kinds of memory, right? Procedural and um, uh, working memory, right? In right. the work, I think those are the distinction. And the working memory is like your your thoughts are involved. You have to think about it and try. Procedural, more commonly called muscle memory is once you're at a point where you no longer like that's it's built into you know the way that you kind of function and so i think what i'm really trying to do is get everyone through you know just repetition over and over and over um trying to keep things fun obviously you know i'm not i don't want it to be boring um and hopefully the fact that we're doing a musical prevents that right, of um, but I'm, I'm really trying to get uh the you know the younger students to the point where they can go on stage and not have to worry about you know and think about what am i singing we did all that work in rehearsal then they can just sing do what they what feels natural because we've committed that to their kind of procedural memory and then they can focus on other things you know maybe they need to think about their lines or where they're supposed to be on stage or when they enter and you know exit and all these things and so um, that's the big thing is just trying to get every, every, all of the important stuff musically to be kind of second nature so that it's not occupying like critical thinking time yeah. for them while they're on stage. I, yeah. So how can, so yes, yes, you're, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a repetition girl so as well. Repetition. It's, it, yeah. That's like key. So then as a music director, what advice do you have for parents of young kids you know helping foster this uh passion for musical theater how can they help maintain this working memory encourage your kid and this is hard i have i am not a parent and i have not dealt with this <laughs> encourage your kids to do it over and over and over yeah, i nice. remember practicing there's like the single lick in footloose the musical on the piano that i practiced i probably played it a thousand times on my piano at home. I'm sure my family wanted to kill me when, by the time that I was done with it. <laughs> right. But, but you're like, because, I'm going to get this. Right, because I, I did it so many times now, I can I can play it like without, you know, in my sleep and it's super fun, right? It's a fun thing yeah. to do. And so I think that encouraging your kids to, you know, uh, one thing that we always do is post for these junior shows, we get the, the backing tracks, both with and without the the example singers. Yeah, that's key. Yeah. Um, I would, if you can stand it, you know, if your kid has like an iPod or you know, it, maybe it's like on the uh, in a, a live. <laughs> I'm gonna say on a CD in the car. I was car. like that's iPod. Yeah, even that's, that's kind of old. A cassette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, let me rephrase. <laughs> if you can put these files, which we share with you, the point is that they're here to learn. Put them yes. somewhere that your kid can listen to it over and over and yeah. over. And ideally, this is happening in conjunction with other things where they're not, you know, it's we actively engage with the music in rehearsal. If you can kind of um, inactively engage with it through yeah. like, you know, your kids are doing homework or to and from, you know, the drive to camp, which is it's hard because we are day in and day out. So there's yes. not a lot of other time. Yeah. But just having these, you know, these tracks on in the background and just kind of, in, you know, having that around so that your kids are then humming the melodies without even thinking about it. 
you know, then that really sets them up to come in and uh, be prepared to learn all the other aspects of performance and not be stressed out trying to remember, oh, shoot, <laughs> how does this song go? Because you've heard it a thousand times by then. You tied it gracefully back into working memory. I yeah. love that. Well, and the thing that I was thinking about is like me as a kid, I always had to like want to do it. And so, in, yeah. um, you know, like I... I tried playing the piano, but I never wanted to practice. And so mm -hmm. I kept being like, why am I not good at the piano? But it's because I never practiced. But then if you were to ask me to like practice doing like two pirouettes, I would have been like, yeah, easy. I'll spend like 45 minutes trying to do two pirouettes. Right. But it's really like also, you know, like not it's risk. It's so hard, like that fine balance between like pushing and encouraging, but also making it so that like they genuinely want to do it. They're not doing it because they have to or they're like, I mean, they're doing it because they have to. You know what I mean? It's it's hard. It's like, well, right. and again, I don't know because I'm not a parent, but like I just think back to my own child brain and I'm like, how does that work? Like, how do we motivate ourselves? Or like, how do we find that thing that's like, that's so cool. Yes, I want to spend more time figuring out how to do that. Well, and the buy-in is a super picky thing because when we have kids sign up for these camps, we love, you know, they want to be there. And we, for the most part, right. besides the one kid who last year was like, I'm being paid $25 and in Pokemon cards to be here. And we were like, well, okay, sir. But there's also those kids. And I think about even the older kids of, we they want to be there but their motivation and their buy-in sometimes is also not there where i'm like hey the show goes up in three days and you don't know your lines i don't know what other buy-in i need to get you other than you're going to look like a damn fool on stage <laughs> right you don't know your music you don't know the choreography you don't know this. i'm like what like what um and so i really like the idea of just as annoying as it may be put it put you this you know in the background when you're you know cooking dinner just do the two counts of eight dance you know in I your literally head tell all, kids the that time. all the time like i'll literally be like do it while you're brushing your teeth or like right. like simple stuff like that where like you are not asking for like a humongous chunk of your time but like if you can do it while you're doing something else or if you can take the two minutes to practice that one little chunk of the song or if you can take the you know it's it's figure, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, figure out how what it's gonna work best for you. Well, and it's right? not just music, it's it's all facets of you know musical theater, which I think really speaks to the way our the three of our minds work. Um, and that's why I want to ask you, you know, I want you to compliment Kira and I for a little bit, <laughs> you know. Um, no, but I want you to discuss a little bit about um you know, working specifically with us as a directing team um, and, you know, other experiences with, you know, other directors, because there are the director, there, there are the directing teams that are very segregated where Which, there's like literally nothing. There's wrong nothing. With no, that, there is nothing right? wrong with You've it. But figure out what's best for you. But I think something that I've really appreciated and I, I credit to the two of you as helping me grow in this craft is because you're so collaborative and because you're so supportive, I feel like I can ask anything of you two, whether it be a creative decision or not, 
you know, whether it be a creative decision or, or a, Hey, will you try this? And you never shoot me down or question it. You're always like, yeah, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it does, or let me try something else. Um, so what has your experience been specifically working with us as a directing team and maybe in comparison to other, you know, teams that you've worked with? You know, I think this ties together a couple of the aspects that we've already talked about in a really nice way. Um, so the, I guess I'll start by saying, and I, perhaps you two have figured this out about me, I am not a very opinionated person when it comes to like artistic excellence, right? I don't, right. I, and that's, education is the perfect spot to be when I am that yes. way. I, I would probably be a really bad music director on Broadway <laughs> because right. I'm, I don't like listen for, I don't know. I'm just not particularly picky on like these art, these, you know, uh, these things. Um, on the other hand, you two both have a way better uh, eye and ear for when someone is doing something in a way that works with a you know given character, for example, right? Like when we're in doing auditions and callbacks, you'll notice things that I'm like, how did you possibly see that? Like that is the <laughs> most like niche small thing. And once you say it, I figure it out. So I think yeah. that those complement each other, right? In the sense that um, you can kind of fill the gap where I am not picky or opinionated right. at all. Um, you both have a, a, a better tuned sense of when certain choices make sense and when they don't make sense, um, et cetera. And um, like you said, we because we can collaborate so much, anytime we have any sort of option uh, to take in or decision to make in how we're going to do the show, right? Like there are so many instances where there's underscoring and we have to figure, okay, are we going to use all of this? Are we going to only use some right. of it? Do we need more of it? And I think that when you have these directing teams that are very split up and the, the music director teaches the music and then that's it, they're out until the show is happening with the band. Right. Um, and then, you know, the same thing for the director and the choreographer. Like, I understand how that can be. We're teaching you these three aspects separately. And as the performer, your job is to tie them together. But I think that the fact that we collaborate as readily and regularly as we do makes it easy to avoid silly, you know, time-wasting problems. Like, oh, suddenly we have way more underscoring than we need. Or, you know, um, this, you know, even though the Broadway cast did it at this tempo, you know, the, the students are having a challenging time dancing at 180 beats per minute. Can we right. tone it down a little, you know? And so, um, I don't know, I, I much prefer to be a very well-connected, you know, uh, communicating team where all of this is kind of happening in parallel, right? And each of our three components kind of responds to the other two as they unfold. It's not three separate things that combine at the very end. It's like one big thing that just grows as time goes on. And I think that's a lot better. It's easier for us and I, it's probably better for the students as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would What agree. do you think, Kira? <laughs> I mean, I think I think I'm the same way. Like, I, I think it's so cool to be able to be like, hey, I really want to try this thing or like, I really have this one idea. Can I run it by you? Or I just when you were talking about like too much underscoring, I just kept thinking about how we had to listen to that one song last year and Perfect. figure out what we wanted to do with it I don't remember and oh that. my gosh it was so for the two of us it was a lot of like brain work about being like how do we make this work because like we have to do it but also at the same time this was written for like professional dancers and professional mm. musicians and so we had to figure out a way to cut it 
that made sense with the story and made sense within the like actual music itself. Um, well, and to make it appropriate for our age group, yes, it then influenced what you, the musicians, Colin, had to yeah do. We we spent a good chunk of time just trying to figure that out. But and while it wasn't like super fun or like <laughs> like entertaining for either of us, we were like, we're gonna figure this out and like we're gonna work together to figure out what's gonna best suit the two of us as well as the students and I think that that was a really um awesome thing that we were able to do just because we trusted each other um and we kind of knew what was going to be the best decision for for everyone once we figured it out well I think it's those natural talents no go Colin well I was going to just mention you you know you mentioned like us well Ty you mentioned the musicians which is a whole other thing and then Jared you said you know uh, uh getting this ready I can't remember what you said this all reminds me of the fact that we developed the show before we put tech with it at the, when we start rehearsing it, right. like dress rehearsals, that's a whole other yeah. beat. Right. And I think that by us kind of collaborating and communicating and all of the process before, like it makes it exponentially easier. I mean, even when, when we had that last year on our first day with the pit in the pit, and like the sound system happening, how it was, uh, yeah. like that was already difficult. And then if you added disagreements between what I was doing and what the dancers were expecting and how much time you needed tie for like underscoring scenes, you know, that would have made things even harder. And so uh, I think, yeah, adding all of these things together before we involve tech. And then that makes it easier for me to say, okay, musicians, a week before we perform, here's everything I can tell you so far. Right. And then when they show up, they can start playing the show the way yeah, we're yeah. doing it rather than here's what the ink says. And then suddenly on, you know, the last two dress rehearsals, we're changing all sorts of stuff. Well, I think it adds respect. It teaches the kids also about respect. When you mentioned that specific day where, I mean, dang, it was probably an hour that the kids were on stage because at least you weren't, you, you, the pit was not getting any sound. And I was back in the sound booth trying to work with the sound engineer on getting that um, started and and I think a lot of the kids were like, oh, this is just Colin and the musicians, you know, trying to figure out something. And I was like, no, this is a big deal. Yeah. You need to respect that they are trying to figure this out. And if they cannot figure this out, this does not benefit you, you know, mm-hmm. positively. And I think our collaboration really, you know, we're modeling what that it is not, you know, there is not something better than. I was not, just about yeah. to say that, like, yeah, like the choreography is not more important than the music yes. and the, and the, the acting's not more like it's, it's all a cohesive thing. It's, it's the show. Right. Um, and, and that's, I don't know, it's just super cool. Right. Well, and also like one of the other things that I was literally thinking about, um, was when like, you'll be playing stuff and you'll be like, Hey Kira, like, how do you want me to play this? And uh, you'll, you'll like play it super cool. And I'll be like, yeah, like that. And I remember last year you got so excited. You were like, okay, awesome. (laughs) You're like, I love that version. (laughs) Right. We get to take our, our, well, and I mean, the idea of comfort in a collaborative group is then after you establish that comfort, it's risk-taking. It's I'm just going to do it this way and and know that those people are going to support me. And even if I go to Colin and uh, I'm like, 
you know what, let's not do it that way. But the way you were playing it before is this or, or try it this way. It's never any insult to anything. It is, it is, I'm going to try this risk and either the risk is big or the risk, you know, just it fizzled out and it didn't become anything. And that's, oh, that's really cute. And while we're on this warm, fuzzy feeling, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back. Hello, hello. With Colin Sinclair, <laughs> musician extraordinaire. However, your your do you hear that? Yeah. Your day trade is not music. You're not a musician. Will you please explain just what the heck you are going to school for? Because I can't explain it. <laughs> sure. <More> people yeah. stuff. <laughs> Big brain. I- Bit, yeah, big, lots of wrinkles, lots of thoughts over here. Um, Peter thoughts. No, <laughs> that's for sure. So I, I uh, expect to graduate. I don't know when this episode will air. It, as we film this, it's the middle of April. I expect to graduate in a couple of weeks from CU in my degree. Go Buffs. In, go Buffs. My, <laughs> my, my degree will be in astrophysics with a minor in computer science. So that's what my, my day job is right now is being a student. I first off love that too. have no idea even what that entails, what possibilities, even if it's not something right out of the gate, what possibilities are you interested in exploring with that throughout your lifetime? So I, that's an interesting question. I actually chose astrophysics for a long time. I wanted to do music. Uh, perhaps that's a, that's probably not a surprising uh, fact. And um, I got really, I was pretty close actually to like committing to it. I auditioned for Berkeley and I got in, they didn't offer me any scholarships though. And it was going to be super expensive. Right. That happened so cool. at the same time as uh, I had just finished a five week run of the little mermaid uh, at a community center, five shows a weekend so it was my 25th show and I wanted to jump off a bridge. I was right. like, please God, I need to not be playing this show anymore. Yeah. Um, it's fun, but then it just gets repetitive. And so right. I kind of, all of that together, I was like, okay, maybe I should do something else. And then that way I can not hate music. And mm-hmm. in deciding what to do, I chose astrophysics because it seemed to me like I would get a lot of really great quantitative skills uh, and it uses computers, which is a you know key skill today. Um, and it just felt to me like there probably weren't a ton of opportunities that exist for which a degree in astrophysics would not like meet the minimum bar for entry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of what I, you know, I was, that was kind of my thinking. And I've always liked space, you know, like space is cool and it's interesting to think about and to consider. Yeah. Um, and so right now I, my, my favorite part of all of my schooling has been the computer stuff. I really like programming. Um, I love data analysis. And so what I'll probably, uh, end up doing right out of school is applying for jobs in software development or web development, um, and go from there. I was just thinking about the fact that I had to do a data entry thing for 
teaching yeah this last week and it was probably the worst thing I've ever had to do which is why we're so complimentary of each other because <laughs> I just was just like I was just like I don't understand my all of this my favorite thing is when you you would always like try and tell me about space stuff and I like would just be like yeah cool mm-hmm awesome still couldn't tell you what, like half the things you tried to tell me about were but but it's still it so cool, cool that your relationship <laughs> with your degree you still have you know we just talked about all of your involvement in music um which then brings this big loaded question so get ready um it's a big one so how is your experience in theater and as a music director go you know how do you think that will help transfer into your other interests you know especially with your degree and then vice versa how do you think using that very i mean you they know, are calls, very different yeah. worlds they are left brain right brain to a t that is why you're so smart is because you use both sides of your brain in which i do not us creatives One over side, here hey. but how do you think those work um uh symbiotically Ooh! thank you guys <laughs> that was hot. Okay. I like you, that. thank you you were you're talking a lot of smart stuff so i really had to bring in the big guns there have been some good Great. buzzwords in this combo Great. um how do you think those work together or how do you see them working together well i think the single biggest thing is communication um yeah. it's perhaps no surprise that a lot of scientists and programmers and stem people lack good communication skills yeah. um there it's not a part of the job that's required right you yeah. are paid to write papers and do research with a small team and you know a lot of times those teams don't have great communication inside of them just right there let alone with the outside world yeah. and doing you know theater and music that is you know communication is absolutely essential and we that's what we've been talking about for this whole uh you know segment so far and so i think that um you know, to have the skills, the communication skills that art brings uh, in an area where there aren't a lot of great communicators can help yeah. uh, connect a lot of different things that perhaps otherwise wouldn't get connected. Um, I love, for example, science education. I work at the Fisk Planetarium in Boulder, where uh, my job is to uh, is to be a science educator and and yeah. teach science to K twelve groups and general audiences. And all of that communication, I directly attribute to being around theater. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's super useful. And then in the other direction, um, I don't know. I think that STEM stuff, uh, it helps me to think critically about things. Um, I often, you know, when approached with a kind of uh, difficult or an unclear decision, um, I don't generally have a hard time figuring out what the right thing to do is because I I don't know. I'm so used to, to approaching problems with... Uh, you know, the, the purest logic that I am able to. Um, and it, it tends to lead me in the right direction a lot of the time. So I don't know, those are some things that I can think of off the top of my head. I think those are great things. I think it, it really speaks to, I, I, I truly believe that you are like a very well-rounded individual. Um, and I think it's very cool um, and, and speaks a lot to, not only the idea that things like STEM and science are very important in schools, um, but something that we, you know, Kira and I really are, are big advocates. And of course you are, Colin, but the, the implementation of arts in those schools, because 
of the these soft skills that are sometimes they're sometimes you know known as that truly will help you in those stem and those technology you know well and what i was gonna say is i think it's also a testament to like like the arts don't have to leave your life no like you can you can find a way I mean, ours obviously a little bit more extreme because we it's a job for us, but it, it doesn't feel like a job. Right? right. But like, it's not something that you have to sacrifice for like other things that you're interested in or like to do. Like, I, I think both um, yeah. are, are really cool in that sense. Yeah. Colin, <laughs> next question for you. Okay, I'm ready. Um, what do you think your goal is as a theater artist? Like, where are you moving forward? To? I know like, you talked earlier about like, you're not a perfectionist. Like you're not looking for perfect. So that aside, like what, yeah, what, what is a goal? What goals? Cause like, I mean, honestly, I don't think any of us are striving for perfection. No, never. I mean, it's, I yes, I do want to put up good work, but like, I'm not expecting it to be the most perfect thing ever sure right but you know i'm not i'm not sure from a musical standpoint there are several things that i'm still trying to develop for one i'm a terrible pianist i like oh my god listen if you were to put like any sort of hard piece of music in front of me I like it. I it would take me weeks or months to learn to play it. Any hard okay. Chopin or WC or, you know, like whatever hard, difficult classical stuff. Um, you, so, as far as like technical ability, I'm always trying to get better at that. That's a pretty, you know, uh, solo, just me getting good at piano type of deal. That, I mean, um, that's, a, that's a goal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's one. Um, I think that what, the next step for me probably as a music director and with front range and in all of this is I don't have a great understanding of what it means to, um, let's try to say this. I'm thinking like a physiology, like singing physiology, the best way each singing in a way that is uh, not, you know, uh, damaging and, Mm. um, you know, specifically with the intent of, of like, teaching the right kinds of physical things that you're doing yeah. with your, yeah. your body. Um, and so I think that's probably the next step is to learn a lot about that and start to incorporate it into our music. No, rehearsal. I, I think that's a great goal. Well, and it's so interesting because I think a lot of like uh, the way that yes. uh, contemporary musical theater vocals are headed is it's a very fine line between this like really cool sound and this really vocally damaging one. Yes. Yeah. And and so um, I it is kind of scary sometimes when you hear students mimicking these things and you're like, you are not a professional. Well, I think of Alec Brightman in um, Beetlejuice right now. You know, he has that yeah. raspy voice. He has said in many interviews that he's all like, the way I am doing it is a way that I've worked with my vocal coach on doing it at its most healthy. And if you choose to mimic me in whatever you're doing, whether it be a competition piece or a a cabaret style or whatever, be very mindful because that raspiness, Beetlejuice guttural sound is not hurting my voice, but to mimic it could very much damage your Mm. vocal cords. And so I completely agree with you. 
Well, I'm, the, a far too common story too, and Kira, perhaps you'll have some thoughts on this, is dance has always been in the kind of performing arts setting. It's like a dangerous thing to do, right? You yeah. Like a lot of old dancers that have danced their whole lives, their bodies are totally messed up, right? Their yeah. feet are gnarled. They probably have lots of joint injuries because dance is, you know, it's, it's hard for the body. Yeah. And so yeah. I think the next step, yeah, is to try and figure out what ways uh, can, can we specifically, can I teach music and rehearsal to, to mean, try and so minimize. We're all the story, us performing artists are just beating up our bodies yeah. inside, outside. We're us just actors, we're just standing around. Beating. In acting, <laughs> we just stand around, so I get it. You gotta be careful with the mind, Ty. Kira That's and I true. be careful oh. with the body, but you yeah. gotta be careful with the mind. Yeah. It's like our last episode when we were talking about creating a character, we were talking about like method acting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kira has hear that noggin. one final question for you. Okay. Again, and it's a hard one. So brace I, yourself. I'm, I'm, I've, I was like, I have to ask this question. Okay. So what is your favorite show to play? What is your favorite show that you just like, not even like in performance to just like whip out and like. And you know, I do all the time. I, I already yes, know the answer. I know. I have indulged many a time and I love it. <laughs> um, my favorite show to play, I think it's going to be a tie. Is that okay? Can I yes, list a tie? No, oh my God. I'm so indecisive. We'll accept it. Same, so. We'll accept it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got to be either Footloose the musical. I knew it. Yeah. I knew I it. I know or... some people out there are going to have my head for that answer, but don't. No, it's a no, great show. Oh. Play the piano no, book for it first, and no then complaints here. I agree. Uh, at loose, all. But lose the musical, or either of Lawrence O'Keefe's musicals. He composed *Legally yes. Blonde* and *Heather's*. <laughs> Those two shows <laughs> that was are one. Yep. absolutely. But they're they're really great, and and some of my favorite things from you know both all three of us are *Legally Blonde* fanatics. Yep. Stands. Um, you know, and then all three of us also worked on *Heather's* and some of my favorite moments from both of those shows are iconic piano, you know, melodies or little riffs throughout the entire Sorry, thing. sorry you don't get the Footloose hype yet. I will get the Footloose the time hype will at come. some point. The time will come. <laughs> Was that a threat, Kira? The time will come, Ty. Yeah, it'll come. It'll you will experience. Uh, well, that good. one's fun because there's so many like little blues. There's so many opportunities for- It's okay. got variety. Yes. The show has variety. And to my point, like I, when I say that I'm not a good pianist, I so rarely read the ink off of the page. Right. And that's a skill, right? That's a good thing to be able to do is to compromise, to, to um, not compromise, to comp and, and kind of read through the ink, but Footloose and Legally Blonde and Heather's to some extent, but specifically Footloose provides the opportunity to kind of express your own musicianship in a way that doesn't require you to play what the composer told you to. Uh, explicitly it's a lot more yes. of an explicit yes. as a band here's the harmonic structure the style is it's blues or it's holding out for a hero or you know whatever 80s pop and yes. then the rest of it's kind of up to you as a musician which personally is much more fulfilling than like mastering you know some difficult passage um so that is why footloose is so fun for a musician i think yeah there's like a somewhat of a little bit of improv involved Act, which, yes which, like, for everyone who doesn't love it when you can like you know mix it up a little bit yes, every now and again completely agree yeah oh <laughs> um uh, colin first and foremost thank you so much 
for being our first <laughs> theater thoughts guest. Official. Official guest. theater thoughts guest. Um, do you have any final final thoughts for thoughts? Uh, <laughs> anything you haven't yeah, said anything yet that, that you, you want to get out? Like- there was what this is going to be kind of silly not silly it's gonna but okay i love, okay. Silly. I love being silly oh, <laughs> a, while, a while back we were talking about what motivates people to practice their thing right yes. Yes. and having students that on t minus three days are still not memorized and you're like what are you doing if you're not right. memorized yeah um and i don't know this is true for all people but something that i want to mention is i and i've experienced this myself I almost will, um, I want to say like sabotage my getting good at something because it, like I'm, I'll be very excited to practice something, right? And so I can imagine right. being a student in one of these camps and being really excited to learn all my lines and learn all the choreo and the music and put it all together and almost like put it off in this weird backwards sense so as to not have to like be done with it, right? Like if, as long totally as I sense. don't, and it's the same thing for me for like packing for travel. I right. love traveling. I love packing, yeah. but I always wait until the last minute because once I do it, then I'm like, I'm done. And it's still fun. But I, so I guess what I'm, the point I'm getting at is it's going to be just as great if you do it. It's going to be better if you do it sooner, right? right? Don't wait around just because you don't want to get rid of the opportunity. Doing it sooner opens up more opportunities rather than holding on to the current one. Straight up. That's what I needed to hear right now. Because right. I have so much mama mia choreography I need right. to do. And I'm like, ah, but that's what I need to hear. I think that's hear. a great, a great piece of advice because I think that's exactly it. We're like being, you know, as RuPaul says, like your inner saboteur. But I think that's exactly what it is of you, you want to hold on to this really, you know, um, uh, uh, memorable moment in life. Um, or, in, you know, in this situation. And if you don't start it, it never will be finished. Yes. And you don't want it to finish. So you just keep holding it off, holding it off. I like that mindset. Cute. Oh, Colin, thank you so much. Yes. Thanks so much for oh having me. This was a blast. This was yeah. so fun. Yeah. And uh, hey, thank you to our listeners for listening to us today. Remember, you can always <laughs> share with us uh, your theater thoughts. You can follow us on our Instagram. Yeah. Shower Colin with love. Yes, please. Follow us. Instagram is uh, at theater podcast, T-H-E-A-T-R-E podcast. The thing, not the place. And wherever you're listening to your podcast right now with your ears little, your ears ringing with our little, our little <laughs> vocals in there. <laughs> Sorry, your ear to... holes are your... filled with our sweet whispers. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if you liked that, you can always follow, like, leave a review. Um, maybe have something better to say you listening to the podcast than that. But... This is an absolutely unhinged <laughs> outro. Uh, but absolutely. you know what? It's fine. Yeah. And hey, we'll have a better outro um, on the next amazing, fantastic wonderful episode of theater thoughts. thoughts goodbye